Morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? Okay, good. We're going to jump right into things because I have a lot to talk about. I think this is going to be really important stuff. Basically, what I want to talk to you guys about today, and um, I'm actually scheduled to talk to you guys four times this fall, so we're going to cover four different things all on the same theme here. Uh, psychology has shown that there really are only five possible emotions, and everything we feel is a combination of one of these five emotions. Four of them are negative emotions, and only one is positive. The four different negative emotions we can feel are anger, fear, sadness, and shame. Anger, fear, sadness, and shame. The positive emotion is happiness. Happiness is the only one there. That's all we get. And also, interestingly, psychology also shows that you add to your happiness, your baseline level of happiness, not primarily by trying to add happy things. It's primarily by reducing negative things. If you think about, if your life at home, if home life is difficult and terrible, parents trying to compensate for that by giving you a really nice Christmas present isn't really gonna deal with all that negativity. And so when you have fear, anger, sadness, and shame, if you're able to live in such a way that reduces the presence of those in your life, that's what elevates your baseline overall happiness and well-being. And it is right and good for all of us to seek happiness. Seeking happiness is not a wrong thing. Our souls were designed to be happy, but they were designed, as we talked about last week, to be happy in God. And people in the world try to think of ways to deal with fear, ways to deal with anxiety, with their sadness, depression, shame, anger. But all that the world can do is put a different coat of paint on the wall of the heart. The world does not have the tools and the keys to truly deal with these negative emotions in your life. But the beauty is that as Christians, when we are in union with Christ, we gain incredible privileges and tools that combat everything in this world of sin and misery that steals our joy and happiness in God. The four primary things that Christians have that no one else has is a sense of God's love, peace in their conscience, joy in the Holy Spirit, and hope of eternal life. We are the only ones that have true hope that can combat fear. We're the only ones that have a true sense of love and security that combats shame. We're the only ones that have an unending pool of joy in the face of sadness. And these will all be perfectly complete in heaven. But now by virtue of union with Christ, we have a teaser trailer, as it were, of heavenly glory. We have a foretaste right now, a taste of that heavenly love, a taste of that heavenly joy, a taste of that heavenly hope and peace in God. So we want to talk about dealing with each of these four negative emotions this semester. Fear, anger, sadness, and shame. And I want to talk about what's probably the base and most insidious of these all today, and that is shame. Shame is something that is hard to grasp often and hard to understand. But what shame basically is, it's a type of pain. It's a type of pain that stems from the possibility of rejection. That feeling of being rejected by someone or a group of people is a pain that is shame. 
And it might not even be actual rejection, but merely the fear of rejection. The fear of possibly being discarded as worthless. Of being cast aside. This pain that has to do with that is what we're talking about when we're talking about shame. And there's two, two main sources of shame, shame in our lives. The first source of shame is the shame of guilt. The guilt that we feel from wrongdoing. The guilt of our own sin. What the shame of guilt is, it's the pointing finger of condemnation. The finger that points and says, you are guilty. You are condemned. And we feel the shame when we have sin in our lives. Maybe you feel the, the shame that comes from sexual sin. Where you feel like you're struggling with things that you can't stop looking at. Things you can't stop doing. And you feel such tremendous shame over what this sin is doing in your own heart. Maybe there's pervasive lying in your life. And no one knows it but yourself, the lies you tell. And you feel so cast down that it almost as if like you can't look up. Because you're caught in a web of lies. Maybe it's a shame of gluttony and secretly binging on food or even secretly harming yourself, hurting yourself. And these different things we deal with can cause such a powerful sense of shame and a pointing finger that says you're not good enough. You are to be condemned. The shame of guilt. But there's also the shame of insecurity. This isn't dealing with matters of sin, but it's matters where we feel our own inadequacy. Where you think, I'm not good looking enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not skilled enough. And what we fear here is rejection for our own inadequacies. And here, it's not the pointing finger of the judge, but it's the pointing finger of the jester. That if I was exposed in this, people would laugh at me. They would think less of me. They would turn away from me. We have the shame of guilt, but we also have the shame of various insecurities in our life. And we all react to these types of shame in one of two ways. Some of you react to your shame by seeking to hide it. You want to cover it. You don't want people to know. This might lead to lack of participation. If I don't really try, no one will really know how bad I am. If I don't try in this game, then no one can really blame me when I fail. Or it might be, I don't want this part of my body or this part of my life to be seen, so I just won't let anyone know about it. I'll never show it. I'll never reveal it. Sometimes shame leads us to hide, to hide your own sins. The sins that you've never told anyone else, that you think only you know. Hiding. But sometimes shame leads us also to overcompensating. Some, I know a, you can think of, I've, there's a family I knew one time who, they didn't have much money and they were very insecure about it. But what they did is they tried to spend lots to show everybody, look how much we can spend, to try to cover for this. Or maybe you know someone that um, struggles with their own sense of how intellectual they are, and they try to compensate for it by talking about everything they do know. My, my wife was telling me about someone she was spending time with at work who just seemed to have this insecurity that everything she was good at, this person tried to really boast about. Uh, when they were driving, it was like, oh, I know the best route to get from here to here, and you need to be in this lane at this time because then you can get ahead of these other cars. Sometimes we overcompensate 
because we think we can mask our inner sense of sadness by being the happiest person around. We think we can compensate for our shame. We all have shame. It's different sins, different insecurities that cause us to cast down our gaze because we fear that we will not be accepted if people knew who we really were. And here's the scary thing about shame, is that you actually can't solve the problem of shame yourself. Because it's true that you have sin in your life. And it's true that there's skills you lack. It's true that there's things you're not good at. There's many things I'm not good at. There's sin in my life. And so you can never actually gain acceptance and true love in this world that is sure and steadfast because you could always be rejected. Even the people that love you the very most in this world could turn their back on you. And the only way to deal with shame is to actually receive that love and acceptance. But any love and acceptance in this world is never truly perfect. There's never a truly perfectly unconditional acceptance. That's why the only cure for your shame the only cure for your insecurity and, sh and your sin is to be found in the unconditional love and acceptance that's found in God through Jesus Christ. Only in the Lord is there perfect love and acceptance. Do you remember what Adam and Eve did when they felt their shame, when they felt their sin and their nakedness, that they were exposed and they were vulnerable? They tried to hide. And many of you are trying to hide. Hide from the eyes of the, your classmates. Hide from the eyes of God. Even hide from yourself. But what did God do when Adam and Eve hid in the garden? He went to them. He went after them. And not only did he go after them, he made them coats of skin. There was a sacrifice. And God gave them clothing to cover the shame of their nakedness. And this is what the Lord does for us in Christ Jesus. When we are hidden in our shame, when we are hidden in our inadequacy and sin, God came to us in the Lord Jesus Christ and he was sacrificed so that our nakedness could be covered in his righteousness. Jesus was stripped naked and spiritually he bore the condemnation of shame. Jesus bore your sin and shame so that you could receive his righteousness. That's what 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us, that God made Christ, the one who never knew any sin, the only one who had no need to be ashamed, to become sin for us. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. But that in Christ we might have his righteousness. And by faith in Jesus, when we trust his sacrifice and we give our sins to him, we present our inadequacies, our inadequacies before him and believe on him by faith, we receive his robe of righteousness. In the book of Revelation, there's a scene where there's a great crowd gathered together. And it says, who are these? It says, these are those who have had their robes washed white in the blood of the Lamb. Blood usually stains, it doesn't make white. But when the blood of Christ covers you, your robe is washed white. Maybe you feel stained by your sin. Maybe you feel disgraced and covered with your own inadequacy and you feel like your sin defiles you such that you could never be seen in God's presence. 
When you trust in Christ and receive his righteousness, you would receive a white robe, a pure robe, such that as Colossians 1.21 says, you in Christ are presented before the throne of God holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Holy in Christ, blameless in Christ, having no spot or defilement. Jesus Christ says to his church, you are all fair, my love. There is no spot in you. If you are in Christ Jesus, then you are seen as spotless. You are seen as pure and clean. And so my encouragement to you today is you don't need to hide your sin. The true way to freedom is found through confession. You can bring your sins to God and pray that he would cleanse you and forgive you for Christ's sake. And then as 1 John 1 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just, not only to forgive us for all our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. True cleansing comes by the blood of Christ. And what does this have to do? This is dealing with our guilt, but what about our insecurity? What about when we don't think we look good enough or we're not smart enough or we're not skilled enough? When we are found before God in Christ, we're adopted as children into his family. And we are so securely loved by our Father in heaven that we have perfect and eternal acceptance in him. And what that frees you is that you don't need to be seeking approval from your classmates. You don't need the full and final approval of your parents. And you don't have to live to please others. You don't have to live to try to find your identity in being accepted in the cool crowd. You don't need to try to find your identity by being accepted in the smart crowd because you're already as loved and accepted as you could ever possibly be before God in Christ Jesus. As 1 John 3 says, Behold, what kind of love has the Father lavished upon us that we should be called children of God? To be a dearly loved child of God, there's no greater privilege and there's no greater joy. So you can stop seeking to find your identity in this world because you can find your identity in Christ. You can stop living to please others because we get to live to please the Lord Jesus Christ. In closing, do you remember that story in John 8 where there's a woman caught, caught in adultery and everyone else in the town that found out her sin has raised stones like they want to stone her, to condemn her and put her to death. Yet Jesus finds them. He says, let him who's without sin cast the first stone. Each one of us has sin, and each one of us, us has shame. But here's what Jesus says to her. Jesus says, whoever has sinned, throw the first stone, and they leave. They all leave because they recognize their own sin. And Jesus says, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She says, no one, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And that's Christ's offer to you today. Neither do I condemn you if you trust in me before God. Go and sin no more. That beautiful promise in Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Set free. Free to live the way God's called you to live. Free from this bondage to shame. So be vulnerable. You can tell your sins to others. We can confess our weaknesses. 
You can try that thing you've never tried, knowing that if you fail, it's okay. Because you're already as loved and as accepted as you'll ever be. And if you're trying to fix yourself up first before you come to God, if you're trying to clean up the messy rooms of your heart before, it's, you have it backwards. We come to God for cleansing. We come to God for acceptance. His arms are wide open to all who will come to him in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this love that you offer to us is beyond our comprehension. It's beyond our ability to understand. And Lord, we see all the darkness in our own hearts. We see the blood on our own hands. We see the sins in our thoughts, our lusts, our fears, our struggles. And Lord, we know that we're tempted to wallow in shame. But Lord, would you come and shine the light of the gospel into each and every heart here. That eyes would be lifted up to see the love of a father who beckons each one to come to him through Christ, to come each and every sinner and find joy and peace in the Lord Jesus. Would we, O Lord, see ourselves covered in that robe of righteousness, that we would consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus, and that from a place of freedom, from a place of perfect love and acceptance, we would live for you, and we would give ourselves to serve you and to serve others. We pray all this for Jesus' sake. Amen.